Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert, and that's when we like to tell monster stories. Weird tales. The thing about monster stories is that every country... Every region and every culture has its own monsters. And if you hear some local legends of some monster people claim to have encountered on back roads or around abandoned mines or wherever it is, you can almost always go back in the historical record and find similar reports from long ago. As in the case of the Sasquatch. The Sasquatch of our local mountains, the San Bernardinos, the little San Bernardino mountains here in Joshua Tree, the San Jacintos looming over the Coachella Valley. As Southern California began to fill up with people and suburbs between the 1950s and 1970s, people from Palmdale to Rialto, from Fontana to 29 Palms, reported seeing a huge hairy beast lumbering through the night, eight feet tall, walking on two legs. And it turned out the local Indian tribes had stories of the same kinds of creatures. Whether on the desert or the coastal side of the Southern California mountains, there was a similar name for these mysterious beasts. On the Santa Ana River, Spanish friars heard the name Taqui and noted areas where the tribes refused to camp because it was the domain of the Taqui. In Palm Springs, there's a reason why you see the name Taquitz all over the place. There's a canyon right behind Palm Springs called Taquitz Canyon. It is the home of the Taquitz, a mythical magician of the Cahuila tribe who went mad and became a shaggy red-eyed monster. Or a glowing green orb of light chasing people down the canyon. There's an odor that often comes with such experiences. It's the odor of rotten eggs, of sulfur. Well, if you collect this type of strange tale... Eventually, people will come up afterwards and tell you their own experiences, or they ask if you believe in the things yourself. If you believe in monsters. Well, you can believe that people see things in the night, in the night sky, in the Joshua Tree woodlands. You can believe there is something going on now and then without believing in monstrosities as some sort of flesh and blood animal. 
There is no physical evidence for any kind of monster beyond the well-known human monsters responsible for all the evil in the world. There are no bones, no bodies, no fur, no teeth, no DNA. No photos or films or videos that haven't been questionable. And yet we humans keep encountering things that don't match any known animal. Any plausible species. And we always have from the time of Moses with his weird talking lights and the desert brush. From the medieval times of Europe with the trolls and the elves and the fair folk that inspired a thousand fairy tales and ceaseless hours of Hobbit movies. From Chupacabra and Puerto Rico to the ghost lights of Marfa. From flying witches over Mexico City to the notorious skunk ape. Florida's Wounded Everglades. The word monster comes from ancient Latin. Monstrum, meaning a divine omen, a sign from the gods. And our modern word demonstrate at one time meant an appearance of a spectral omen. Here's where the ancients had, I think, a much better understanding of the phenomenon. You can hunt Bigfoot all you want, but you'll never find it. It will demonstrate its existence at the time and the place of its choosing. And then it's gone. Rather than going after ghosts with ridiculous electronic gadgets or taking plaster measurements of dubious Sasquatch footprints or trying to classify the thousands of different aliens and UFOs that have been reported all over the world, maybe we should approach these things the way they were long seen. As portents, as signs, as symbols and archetypes that might be telling us things of importance. It's a mystery where such entities come from, and you can really take your choice of explanations. From the old religious ideas of gods and angels and demons, to the old Nordic and Celtic folklore of races of creatures living in fairyland alongside our own world. The great psychologist and psychiatrist Carl Jung believed our own collective consciousness generated symbols and archetypes that functioned as instinctual memory, which appeared at important times in our lives and gave us the same kind of untaught learning that a desert tortoise or young coyote knows about its place in the world, how to exist and thrive within its natural environment. And you can make science out of it too if you want, because quantum physics suggests there are many dimensions, many variations of time and space 
and we may well be living alongside different versions of our own world. Alternate realities that occasionally mesh with our own. Perhaps like the Celtic priest said of the old Halloween rituals, there are places and times where the veil between worlds is thin. If you look at reports of monsters and strange creatures and UFOs long enough, you'll find that most of them occur where the wilderness meets civilization. The frontier. The wildland-urban interface, as our exhausted firefighters call it. When you add trauma to these places, especially the trauma of dramatic changes to the environment, the building of suburbs and freeways and factories over once wild and empty places, something seems to be triggered. Maybe it comes from our own worries about being on the edge of civilization, even if we like it here. Even if we wouldn't live anywhere else. Maybe it comes from the collective unconscious. An uneasiness that comes with uprooting ourselves and uprooting the native plants and animals where we will make our homes. Our military bases. Our toxic waste dumps. The harsh, hot badlands that comprise much of Anzaborego State Park home to many strange and terrible stories of the creature that has been called the Missing Link or the Borrego Sandman. The Sandman has been seen by 20th century gold hunters and rock hounds and is most often described as being an enormous primate with whitish fur and glowing red eyes. And the Missing Link of Dead Man's Hole is reportedly a mass murderer. Once the gold rush reached Southern California's mountains and deserts in the later 1800s, prospectors and bandits quickly made the area home. Discoveries of gold at Julian and in the desert to the east brought many hopeful miners to the scorching San Diego County desert, and many stagecoaches loaded with suspicious characters. One of them, Pegleg Smith, Claim to find and then lose a mine near the Salton Sea where gold nuggets could be picked up off the ground. And a couple of characters from Julian, Edward Dean and Charles Cox, claim to have shot a Sasquatch dead. An 1878 article in the San Diego Daily Transcript reported that the men had found and then killed the monster at Dead Man's Hole, northeast of Warner Springs delivery of the mysterious creature's corpse was promised, but it never appeared in San Diego. And more than a century later, a Daily Transcript reporter named Herbert Lockwood went digging for the old story and noted that it was published in an 1878 issue dated April 1. It was March of 1876 when a more credible report appeared in the San Diego Union. 
A man named Turner Helm claimed he saw the missing link near Warner's Ranch, about four miles south of present-day Warner Springs. Described as a bear-like giant with a human face, the report generated great interest because of the many unsolved murders at Dead Man's Hole. Then a water stop on the Butterfield stage line. The bodies had been piling up at the stagecoach stops waterhole for two decades by then, with the victims including a French Basque shepherd, several dubious individuals on the run from the law or creditors, and a wealthy San Franciscan named William Blair. Many of the victims were found with bruised and broken necks, their money and gold untouched. The most recent unsolved murder at the Waterhole dates to 1922, less than a century ago. When, again, a strangled victim was found there 64 years after the first recorded murders at the Hole. Dead Man's Hole, Dead Man Hole, on modern maps, is located in a grove of live oaks about 15 yards east of California State 79, an eight-mile drive up from today's Warner Springs. Just southeast of the place called Taqui, at the headwaters of the Santa Margarita River. The Taqui, or Taquites, as it is known in the canyons of Palm Springs, is the Hairy Devil first reported by the Tongva people to the Spanish friars in the 18th century. The visitor to Dead Man's Hole of today should look for the small, plainly lettered sign that reads U.S. Navy Remote Training Area. At an unmarked crossroads just before Sunshine Summit, as at Edwards Air Force Base and 29 Palms. Here at Dead Man's Hole, the U.S. military trains side-by-side with the elusive Sasquatch of Southern California's wild lands. until modern times that Stonehenge was the work of Merlin, the great magician and favorite of the Romano-Britain kings. Nobody had much of an idea how the ancient circle of stones came to be. So the legend grew that Merlin had transported an outdoor temple of the giants all the way from Ireland placed it on the plain as a war memorial to those last of the Celtic princes lost to the treachery of the invading Saxons. When we don't know the purpose of a monumental structure, whether ancient or abandoned modern, 
We dream up a purpose for it, and then that purpose becomes real, even when the busy work of researchers eventually reveals more mundane origins. Several months back, our friend Jason P. Woodbury of Aquarium Drunkard helped us with a show at the Valley Bar in Phoenix. And we did wind up talking on the telephone about devils and demons and the strange accidental temples of the Valley of the Sun. Accidental landmarks, important things that rise up in the desert, not because they were intended as temples or monuments or religious centers, like the Casa Grande ruins, but because of chaos and accident. Yeah, I think that one of the most interesting things about structures here in the desert is that um, they seem to take on a character that is maybe different than what people intended for them. Recently, I had the pleasure of heading out to the Casa Grande domes. Have you ever heard, domes. Of, the dome? Have you ever heard of the domes, Ken? Oh, I've heard about them. I recall editing an article about them and the current issue of Desert Oracle. Now, these are these are not the famous ruins. No, the ruins are actually located a town over in Coolidge, Arizona, which happens to be where I grew up. Let's get some Coolidge. <laughs> Coolidge people uh, here in the front row. But no, the uh, the ruins are, are slightly more majestic and uh, a little bit more mysterious than the domes. But the domes are, are out. You can get there. They're, they're just south of Casa Grande, and they're, they're very weird. They're these structures that were built in the early 80s for like a microchip processing plant. So they were making computer chips they in making, America. They were making computer chips in America. In Pinal County, actually. In and the this desert. was, what, 1981? So this was 80, 82 is when they built these things. And they didn't last long. In fact, they never even got all the way to the point where they were cranking out products for people. So they were abandoned and have taken on, in the decades since, kind of a weird allure for the weird kids in Pinal County. And, and uh, you, you can see them from the interstate. You can. You head off and you head down a dirt road and they are, uh, there's a fence around them that has been pretty well ignored for a couple decades. Although my brother was out there and, and the owner did show up and he told him that it's $40 a person to take photos there. $40? Yeah. Instagram has ruined everything. So, yeah, he's got that Instagram coin going. But the problem is they're, they are, uh, they're doomed. Uh, in 2017, the county said, you got to tear these things down because they're falling apart and they are a public hazard. So if you want to pay your 40 bucks, I would go down there and, and pay it sooner than later because the fact is these things probably aren't going to last forever. There are rumors of uh, satanic rituals, uh, arcane seances, paranormal activity of all manner, from UFOs to ghosts to demons. So aside from like the ritualistic sacrifices, I think mostly kids drank and wrote things on the wall. You know, these things are weird, and, and, and I think growing up in these small desert towns, things like this ended up taking on just like a weird resonance. There was a, a coffin factory out where... Where I live in in the same town. Uh, well, or nearby. One town over, yeah. Which town? 
This was Coolidge. The only thing I ever found out there was a lot of bees once, but other than the then other than that, yeah. I didn't see any any. And there was a bomb factory that I was always sure was not really a munitions factory, but in reporting this story, it turns out it was, which is a weird thing because I always assumed that was just something that people called this thing, but it was in fact a bomb factory. And again, both of these were prime locations for underage drinking. Yeah, you could you could get out there in a, in a truck, you know, there's a couple dirt roads that'll lead you out there. You could also take four-wheelers out there if you had four-wheelers, I don't know. In Point Pleasant, West Virginia, there was a old munitions factory. It was a uh, World War II ammo dump. And that was the epicenter of the, the Mothman sightings. Ah, yeah. That prophesied the collapse of the bridge over the Ohio River at Christmas time that killed 30, 40 odd people. And so at one point, there were hundreds of cars from all over hillbilly country coming out on Friday night with six packs and barbecues and making hot dogs and everything to watch for the Mothman, which was a seven foot tall winged dark colored or kind of like a hole in in space, really, that just had these giant red eyes. Are there monsters associated with, with these monuments that you're aware of? You said demons. Uh, yeah, there was at least one monster that I was told about by some friends. Uh, Tell the, us about the, this monster. The hoof man. Is the what, what man? The hoof man. Yeah, it's a man with hooves, kind of kind of on the nose with the name there. But uh, yeah, what I was... Like so, a pan kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, sort of a pan. Um, again, he seemed to have a lot of devilish qualities. Um, yeah. I was told that there was something out there that would show up and terrorize kids who were drinking at at these abandoned places. So it's not the usual pan approach. No, not the usual. To merriment. Not, not, the, not the usual pan approach. He seemed slightly more malevolent. Uh, uh-huh. But he uh, also was said to have frequented the casinos. So he seemed to have a, you know, you, you'd review the security tapes, and the guy who had won big... If you looked in the security tapes, you'd notice he had hooves no. on his feet. That's which, which casino? This is the Gila River Casino. Uh, go to the river, the Gila River Casino. Have you ever won big? I've never won big, and I've never seen the Hoofman either. Well, the two go together from what yeah, I've Yeah, I think it seems like there's a, a distinct connection between the two. But yeah, these, these places are, are kind of weird, and I think that they... Um, I don't know. I've always wondered, like, what should we do to preserve these places? There's no real utility for them, and they don't seem to have a great reason to exist. But I feel like they, uh, I don't know, they mean something. They mean something to me. I think they seem to speak to the fact that in this weird part of the desert where nothing seems to be going on, it seems like a lot used to be going on. And there's something about that that's uh, kind of beautiful and strange and weird. And they're free places to go to. I mean, you can't, well, yeah. you're not, you're not welcome you, there, really, but... Well, unless the owner shows up and he demands 40 bucks for, for the for I'm the sure visit. Hoofman has not been there no, since Hoofman, the Instagram policy started. Yeah, Hoofman was priced out. They are, they are free spaces, and they are in their own way completely accessible places. Nobody gets to tell you what these places mean. Nobody gets to tell you what these places are. You sort of project your own meaning on them. And I feel like in that way, they have something to do with, um, I don't know, I guess art in the desert in a, in a weird way. These things are like these weird spaces that we get to project all of our weird 
fears and dreams and our strangest ideas upon. What's your favorite of these places? The one that you would most like to protect? Protect? I'd have to say we should protect the Casa Grand Domes because they look the most like something out of Star Wars. Very Tatooine-like. These strange colored domes rising from the from the desert door. Now, I wonder about a lot of these things, if just the chance that anything survives in the Sunbelt tractome economy gives something a kind of weird magic because it, through luck or bad economic luck for the, the property owners, did right. not get run over with bulldozers and, and planted with golf courses and four-bedroom 4,000 square foot. Yeah. Yeah, I think that if you asked anybody here in the room tonight, uh, surviving in the desert, thriving in whatever manner you choose to define the word, um, is a little bit of a challenge. And so the fact that these things did survive, not only the elements, but um, unruly kids and all sorts of stuff, uh, it does lend these things a little bit of a strange lingering power. They seem to speak to what happens when you plant your flag deep enough in the desert soil and stick it out. Thanks to everybody who came out for our presentation at the High Desert Nature Museum for the Morongo Basin Historical Society's Second Wednesday Lecture Series. And apologies to those of you who were turned away at the door. They packed in everybody they could, and then the fire department regulations took over. Speaking of fire, California is on fire again from the terrible inferno that consumed paradise outside of Chico and is still raging, to the fires in the Santa Monica Mountains, to a dozen smaller blazes threatening people and burning up our forests and our wildlife. Because we're coming into Thanksgiving week, we have got an unbearable number of tourists here in the high desert around Joshua Tree, more unbearable than usual. And of all the dumb things tourists do, the dumbest and most dangerous right now is believing the desert is somehow immune to wildfire. And so we are constantly calling the sheriff and the firefighters and the park rangers on people who are camping out illegally and building bonfires illegally and honestly threatening all of our lives, our homes, and of course the national park and the wilderness. Wildfires have burned through the high desert with regularity and they are devastating and there are large chunks of Joshua Tree National Park that are scarred by the wildfires of a dozen years ago. It has gotten so much hotter and so much drier here in the high desert that these wildfires are wiping out plants and animals that don't come back. Lots of mountains that once had forests of pinyon pines lost them forever in the fires of the early 21st century, and the pinyons aren't coming back. And in the lower elevations where the Joshua trees were already thin, the Joshua trees aren't coming back. What's coming back is some scrub brush and a few cactus and invasive weeds, and a lot of it just turns to sand and charred rock. The same way a desert preserve turns to sand when the mountain bicyclists decide they'll just ride wherever they want to hell with the trails. And I've watched them turn many miles of desert crust that supported choya and black brush and even the occasional new Joshua tree into 
into more lifeless sand, lifeless sand covered in the tracks of bicycle tires. Boy, this place would sure be better off if nobody ever came here again, and I'll go too. Close it down, lock the gate. Well, it'll happen soon enough on its own. Good riddance to us all, and good night from the Voice of the Desert.